This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's Friday, May 27th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Learn how Steamfitters can benefit your business at steamfitters-602.org. Today, monkeypox is here. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention confirmed this morning that a presumed case in Northern Virginia is in fact monkeypox. But what actually is this virus, and how concerned should we be about it? We'll hear from a virologist at Johns Hopkins. There certainly have been more cases reported outside of Africa than perhaps in any other year since monkeypox was discovered. And scores of DMV residents are migrating to the beaches this long weekend. But they'll notice a lot has changed. WTOP's John Doman tells us staff shortages are hitting Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia coasts hard. So when you're on vacation, look, you're on vacation. Chill out. If it takes a little bit longer, relax. Megan is off today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett. Monkeypox is here in the D.C. region, but should we be concerned about it or do anything about it? I'll talk to an expert about this shortly, but first, here's some information about our local case. Today, the Virginia Department of Health said it's found a confirmed case of monkeypox. The patient is a woman, and she's from Northern Virginia, and she recently traveled from an African country. She's currently isolating at home. She didn't have to go to the hospital, which is good, and the health department is talking to her close contacts. But back to those questions that really matter. What is monkeypox and how should we understand it? Virologist Andrew Pekosh is here to help. He's a professor at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Andy, thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So, you know, first, this emergence of monkeypox in the U.S. and now locally feels particularly familiar as we still you know, deal with COVID-19. And because I think we as humans often have a tendency to conflate ideas as we try to understand monkeypox, I'll kind of ask how it compares to COVID just so we can really delineate and distinguish the two. So to start, where did monkeypox come from? Is it like the novel disease like COVID? It's a disease that is often found or primarily found, I should say, in um, rodents and in non-human primates. So Mm. monkeys and certain apes in Central and Western Africa. So there it's what we call an endemic disease. There are hundreds of cases that are identified in countries in Central and Western Africa every year of monkeypox. So it's only because of this outbreak that has spread outside of Central and Western Africa that we're starting to pay more attention to it right now, and and probably justifiably so, because there certainly have been more cases reported outside of Africa than perhaps in any other year since monkeypox was discovered. Right. So it's not a new disease. It's an old disease that's, you know, spreading more than it usually does. Exactly. So when when COVID-19 emerged, that was a brand new virus. Uh, We had no idea where it came from. We uh, it took a while to get tests and diagnostics in Mm. place and those kind of things. None of that applies to monkeypox. We've known about this virus for a long time. It's a very different situation 
compared to COVID-19's emergence because we know so much more about the virus than right. we did about COVID-19. Right. Yeah. So let's get into some of those details about monkeypox. So how does it spread? Does it travel through the air like COVID or does it have a different way of transmission? When it comes to humans, transmission is somewhat difficult. Um, it doesn't travel through the air like COVID-19 does, although there's some evidence that in what we call large droplets, meaning if someone coughs or sneezes and you're really close to them, um, you could pick up the virus that way. Most often it's picked up by long periods of close contact between people, particularly when the person actually has the telltale rashes mm. that are the first real specific signs of the disease. So it's relatively hard to get from another person because it really requires a long period of exposure and um, doesn't come anywhere close to being as easily transmitted as COVID-19 or influenza or other viruses. Mm. And you mentioned kind of that rash, but what are the other symptoms? Yeah, so you know the first few symptoms are rather nonspecific. They're fever, feeling tired, those types of general symptoms. Um, the first real specific symptom is the appearance of a rash, oftentimes on your face, sometimes on your hands and other parts of your body. Initially, it can be a rather nondescript rash, but then it progresses to these relatively large, what we call pustules, um, mm. that um, are then present for several days before they start to dry up and eventually they uh, will fall off uh, towards the end of the disease. Got it. And so, you know, moving to... Kind of the big question is, you know, how how deadly is it? How dangerous is it for humans if, you know, you do get it? Yeah, the West African strain of monkeypox, which is what we think has been causing the outbreaks outside of Africa this year, has as a range of mortality. Most people say it's about 1% uh, of cases result in very severe illness or death. Um, other strains of monkeypox have a slightly higher disease severity. So, it's, it's certainly something to pay attention to if you have symptoms. But again, I think if you identify early enough, there are ways that we can that people can be treated for this. Mm. And most I think most importantly, you really are only able to transmit once you start to see these symptoms of the rash. Mm. So with COVID-19, you know, one of the problems that we have is that you can spread the virus before you show those symptoms. But with monkeypox, you really have to show the rash before you can transmit. And that's good news, because what that means is if you identify people early on, you can really stop transmission chains very, very effectively, much more effectively than we could for COVID-19. Through this conversation, I've learned, you know, this virus, monkeypox, is an old, older virus. It's been here for a while. We know a lot about it. But why is it spreading outside of these places that it, it's endemic? Do we know that answer? Uh, not really. What we do know is there may have been some just happenstance that occurred with infected people from Africa going to large parties and therefore perhaps being what I'll call a super spreader event, right, where they were in, they were infectious, they were in a large party in a close confined situation, and were able to spread that virus to, to multiple people in that way. That seems like the most likely scenario right now because many cases can be traced to just a few major outbreaks. But this is where public health is really going to be important to track down all those cases and make sure that we're not seeing something different in terms of what we normally expect from monkeypox. 
And Andy, have we seen monkeypox outbreaks in the U.S. before? Is this the first time this has happened? There was one pretty substantial outbreak of monkeypox in 2003. And that was traced back to um, a rodent that was imported from Western Africa. Um, It was housed with some prairie dogs in some pet facilities here in the U.S., passed the virus onto the prairie dogs, and then people who bought those prairie dogs started to report symptoms of monkeypox because the virus jumped to the prairie dogs and then people who are handling those pets end up picking up monkeypox. So there were several dozen cases of it in the U.S. there. But again, it didn't spread further than that because the infected animal was the real source of the transmission spread from person to person really wasn't that common in that outbreak. Hmm. So, Andy, how worried should we really be about all this? You know, it's a virus that's been here for a while. We have therapeutics and vaccines. Should we be thinking about this, you know, monkeypox virus in our daily lives and change anything in our day to day? I think what you really want to be aware of is a couple things. One, the risk to the general public is incredibly low right now. So certainly for the vast majority of people, there's really nothing that you, you should do to change your your activities to change the way you do things. However, you know, if you have known people who've traveled to Africa, if you know someone who's had a case of monkeypox, this is the time to really sort of be very vigilant and maybe not put aside that light rash that you see uh, coming up and, and to actually think about that and pass that information on to your medical doctor or your local uh, Department of Public Health. It's really important for us to capture all the cases that are occurring. And right now, we must be underdiagnosing or detecting cases because there are a lot of people that aren't connected to each other mm. that have this disease. And that sort of tells public health officials that they're missing cases someplace. So if you see something, always good to just give your doctor a call, give your local public health department a call. They can go through the scenarios of what might be a potential exposure and perhaps give you an answer one way or another, whether you should be concerned or not. Well, Andy, thanks so much for coming on the show and helping us understand you know, what monkeypox is and helping us kind of calibrate our concern for this old virus that's you know, kind of spreading more and more right now. My pleasure. Thanks again. And after the break, we talk local beaches and how they'll look considerably different this Memorial Day weekend. WTOP's John Doman tells us what to expect. If you want to save money and grow profits on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project, go with the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. You can trust the experience of its workforce, members who have expertise in heating, air conditioning, refrigeration, and process piping to deliver work that's on time and on budget. For a partner you can trust who's mutually focused on your bottom line and to schedule, contact Steamfitters Local 602 at steamfitters-602.org. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. Thanks for listening to the DMV Download. If you like the podcast, head to our show page, give us a rating, and leave a review. We read all of them and use the suggestions to improve this show that we're so proud of. It also helps other listeners find this, our region's only local daily news podcast. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Many of us are making our way to the beach for this Memorial Day weekend. But there are a myriad of changes at the Del Marva beaches this season. The labor shortage is hitting hard. Megan and I spoke with WTOP's John Doman earlier about how this still very popular destination is struggling to provide the experience visitors expect 
amid new economic challenges. So John got the great assignment to head to the beach this year for our annual series. Love that. (laughs) (laughs) But the news wasn't entirely sunny. Tell us about this worker shortage. Initially, we thought there would be fewer lifeguards, but hopefully that's panned out. Yeah. So when I talked to the city manager in Lewis last week, they had made the decision to just not have lifeguards on the beaches there, which, look, Delaware Bay is obviously a lot calmer than the ocean is. So there's a lot less danger there. They're not nearly as active. But she said normally they had 10 lifeguards. This year they had only had four applications. And only two of those applications actually had any done, done any lifeguarding before. Hmm. So they just decided at this point we, we can't pretend like we're going to offer the safety that mm. people are expecting. Of course, once word about that got out, uh, some of the lifeguards from Rehoboth Beach came together that have been there for decades. Right. And sort of helped recruited people and, and, and helped fill the gap basically. So that's, that's nice. the good news in Lewis. Yeah. All the beaches are going to have all the lifeguards they need. But more than that, it's just sort of the hospitality industry in general. The restaurants, the mm. bars, the retail shops, all of them are, are just having a much harder time like they are anywhere else in this country. Right, right. And all of us have been to the beach, you know, during the off season when, you know, it's we might have to wait a little longer to get, you know, food and such. But if they're even open, yeah. Right, exactly. Are we gonna see similar kind of delays and struggles this this summer with the food industry? The service might not necessarily be as quick and efficient as it was a few years ago before the pandemic. I mean, for one there's going to be thousands less of the uh, European students that typically come here and work every summer, mm-hmm. primarily because of the pandemic. Uh, but also just in general, businesses are having a harder time filling out all the openings they typically have. So, yeah, you might have to wait a little bit longer. Your your waiter or waitress at a, at a bar and restaurant might have a few extra tables compared to what they normally would have a few years ago. And all this is happening with... Uh, just bigger and bigger crowds coming there, too. Right. But, I mean, we're seeing everywhere, you know, restaurants around here, uh, other businesses. It's just a, a big mess when it comes to staffing that's that's going to be really hard to dig out of. And it's hard to keep that in mind if you've been going to the beaches year after year after year that this year would be different because for you it feels the same, but the economic challenges have changed. And I thought the housing angle was really interesting because we all know how expensive it is to rent a place there even just for a week. Um, but that's really an issue, especially in Ocean City, right? I mean, yeah, if you're trying to pay your rent to to just stay there for a summer, it's it's an, an enormous amount. And and I knew people, you know, when I was much younger that did that, worked there for a summer. You know, they had a, a crappy apartment packed <laughs> full of other people. Yeah. Right. Well, when, when the pandemic kind of just shut all of that down, a lot of those apartment people, they turned their properties into vacation rentals now. Mm-hmm. And so now they're expecting these much higher rents that that the people working at the bars and restaurants and the the t-shirt shops and all that, they can't afford that. So Ocean City is working. This is a long-term thing. This is going to take years to happen. But they're working with a company that develops basically dormitory-style housing. They do it for colleges. I guess they did it down in Dollyland. Oh, Um, Dollywood. Whatever. Whatever the place there in Tennessee is. Um, I've been there. I liked it. Yeah, Dollywood. Well, I've not been there, but but <laughs> I guess they, they provide housing for seasonal workers there that it's you know basically like a like a college dorm that you would get now. And then the same company does run college dorms as well. They're working on putting the funding together to develop some property in West Ocean City to help seasonal workers with that. But they're going to need multiple numbers of those complexes, too, to make that happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just so when you're on vacation, look, you're on vacation. Chill out. If it takes a little bit longer, right? relax. Don't be a jerk. Because, I mean, that was a problem, especially early on, I think, last year or the year before, when, when people started rushing back and the, the lines were long and there weren't a lot of people helping out and people mm-hmm. were just being rude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's no need for it. If you're on vacation, 
Just chill out. Yeah. And, and I mean, along with the changes to the service, there's also changes to some of the restaurants and their locations. And a lot of them have moved away from those downtown strips you were reporting. So in, in Rehoboth Beach, yeah, a couple of the businesses that have been there really forever. The Frog Pond, which was on South First Street, and Nicola's Pizza, which has been there, I think, since the 70s. They, they're 40, 50 years in business there. They've all left to go out on Coastal Highway further up in Rehoboth. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the Frog Pond did it a couple of years ago, that was for the um, just basically because most of their local visitors were staying in places out more along Coastal Highway, coming into town, having a hard time finding a parking spot. I was going to say parking. Yeah. Parking is really the brutal thing. There's been a push time and again for, to get Rehoboth to build this massive parking garage, but the city doesn't want to do it. Mm. So depending on who you talk to, how much of that has to do with them moving up to Lewis is, is sort of up for debate. I mean, Coastal Highway used to sort of be where you went to the outlets, and now, I mean, it looks so different than it did 10 years ago. There's, I mean, there's some really huge restaurants. And, and a lot of places that are really opening up to rave reviews are opening up out that way now, too. Yeah. Mm. I mean, downtown Rehoboth still has the really fancy restaurants, but there's so much happening on Coastal Highway where there is less expensive rents and a lot more space and room for your customers to park mm-hmm. that the mayor of Rehoboth was just like, look, this is just a sign of how successful it is that they can go up there and it's going to present new opportunities to someplace else. Right. And with these restaurants finding new locations, that must make room for others to kind of come in. So what new restaurants did you see along the coast? So there's not a lot of new businesses on the Delaware side of things. There's a couple, though. I, I did go to this place called Above the Dunes in Rehoboth, talked to them, went back a couple hours later to have dinner with a friend of mine that lives there. <laughs> Doing that hard work. Yeah, hard work. <laughs> Had to sit at the bar, look out at the ocean, because they're right on, on the second floor, right looking over the boardwalk, looking on the ocean. Nice. Nice ambiance. The food was pretty good. That's one of the new places in Rehoboth. There was a, a former food truck, I guess, called Taco Rijo mm-hmm. that was popular there. They've got a brick-and-mortar spot out on Coastal Highway now. For Ocean City, it's just some notable changes. I mean, if you're used to going to BJ's on the water on 75th Street, that's gone. Yeah. If you're used to going to Phillips Crab, my dad loves getting a crab cake sandwich from Phillips Crab House on 21st Street. That's gone too now. Mm. Do they move or are they just gone, gone? They're, they're gone, gone. Oh, wow. For, for, in BJ's case, it was the family, uh, Billy Carter and his wife, They've owned it for decades. Yeah. They were ready to retire. Right. So, yeah, BJ's is now going to be something called the Atlantic Beach House Restaurant. Don't think it's going to be ready to open by the time this weekend comes. So the, the places that are moving into these longtime destinations, they're going to be familiar to people. You're going to know the names of the restaurants that they own in other locations, but it is a noticeable change. And maybe you're not necessarily as much of a foodie as you are somebody who actually wants to go spend time on the beach or maybe get out in nature. You were reporting about, like, the new trails or there's just areas where you can kind of find some nature where you wouldn't expect it. So, so yeah, Delaware has done a really good job of developing and expanding bike trails. So the main one that the Transportation Department runs is called the Georgetown Lewis Trail. It basically runs along an old rail line from downtown Lewis all the way out to Georgetown, Delaware, which is the county seat. Now, the trail doesn't go all the way to Georgetown yet, but they're working on it. But in the meantime, you can park right next to a bakery and a distillery that's just off Coastal Highway north of Lewis. Tell me more. <laughs> Good pretzels at this bakery, too. Pedal into downtown, in, in, into downtown Lewis, lock your bike up, and, and there you are at the beach. Or, nice. if you don't like the, the Delaware Bay side of things, ride a few more miles through some woods, past some houses, and you'll pop right out into downtown Rehoboth. You lock your bike up there. You go to the beach. Wow. It's all right there. It's These are nice trails. They get a lot of use. They get m- way more use than they expected. Hmm. 
thousands of people on a summer day will be biking and walking through these trails. And when, when I was there, it was a Tuesday afternoon. It was a really nice and sunny Tuesday afternoon, but still a Tuesday afternoon, and there was lots and lots of people out there. Wow. Well, taking advantage of it. That's good. Yeah. And so nice trails to, to bike around on. And John, what about the beaches themselves? How are they looking? Remember all that rain we got a few weeks ago? Yeah. It rained for like two weeks straight. That was a big storm off the coast, and it pummeled those beaches. Mm. So whatever you're used to seeing in terms of a, of a nice wide beach between the, the water and the boardwalk or, mm-hmm. or the, the street dunes. or whatever, yeah, yeah, there's a lot less space between the dunes now. So Aww. your beach is going to be really, really crowded this year, especially the Ocean City was in much better shape for the most part. And some, you know, it, it's going to be varying levels of, of depth, I guess. But there are some places where you might have had, you know, 50 yards of beach between the dunes and the water, and it might be down to like 10. It was hard to find a spot just to put a blanket down that mm. wasn't going to get washed away when high tide came. John Doman, our beach correspondent, God love him. Um, thanks for helping us set expectations. We can still have fun, but it will be different this year. Absolutely. Hey, there's lots of places to go and have fun. Just, you know, if you're going to the sand, stretch out, you know, get there early so you can claim your spot. <laughs> And just again, remember, you're on vacation. Relax and have fun. Good words. Thanks, John. And before we go, if you're a D.C. resident like me, today is actually the first day that you can submit your mail-in ballot for D.C.'s primary election, which is scheduled on June 21st. So, you know, you can fill out your ballot and then put it in a drop box that are positioned, you know, across the city. But when you're putting that ballot in the drop box, make sure you're not putting it into the COVID-19 drop box. Both boxes, and I've said boxes about 10 times now, look very similar. Same height, same width, different writing, but, you know, the mistake could easily be made. D.C. election officials are actually spreading the word to make sure, you know, voters aren't making that mistake. Now, if you do accidentally put your ballot into the COVID-19 testing drop box, they do have protocols in place, you know, switch them and, and your vote will be counted. But just thought I'd give you all a heads up. And that does it for us today on the show. Thanks for joining us for the DMV Download. We're sponsored by Steamfitters Local 602. Today's show was produced by me with the help of our WTOP intern, Rosie Hughes. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show if you get the chance. You can also follow us on social media where we post content every day. You can find out more about this podcast and become one of our VIP listeners at dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com, and on the WTOP News app. Have a great weekend, everyone, and safe travels.